Are you hesitating to take the next step in your e-commerce journey? Founder Plus has you covered with proven frameworks tailored to your business needs for fast results, a supportive community of over 30,000 like-minded entrepreneurs and weekly live mentorship sessions. Founder Plus is your key to success. Try Founder Plus today for just $1 for seven days and start building your dream business with confidence. You can visit founder.com forward slash start dollar trial or click the link in the description to claim your trial. This is episode number 165 with Neil Patel of the Founder Podcast. What you need is thirst. You need to be a thirsty human who is intent on learning. It's a really fascinating, fascinating exploration of human potential. Now. Now. now, the Founder Podcast. Even the greatest entrepreneurs had help. If you want to learn from the most successful founders on the planet, you are in the right place. Branson, Mark Cuban, Tony Robbins, Tim Ferriss, Ariana Huffington, Go, Steve Case, Gary V, Sophia Amoroso, Robert Corcoran, Damon John. Learn from the greatest minds in business today with interviews hosted by Nathan Chan. This is not your average entrepreneur podcast. The Founder Podcast. Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Before we start today's episode, I just want to let you know that our goal at Founder is to help entrepreneurs succeed however we can by giving away high quality content in the form of interviews, blog posts, podcasts, YouTube videos, you name it. We put out so much content to help you. And another interesting project that we're working on right now is partnering with world-class founders like Damon John, Alexa Von Tobel, Greta Van Riel, and so many more to teach crucial skills like negotiation, finance, e-commerce, and so much more. So if you'd like to get access to these free trainings with founders like this, which is 100% free, just go to founder.com forward slash free. Okay, so now let's talk about today's episode. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Founder Podcast. My name is Nathan Chan. I am the CEO and host of the Founder Podcast and also Founder Magazine, which has now officially gone from Founder Mag, F-O-U-N-D-R-M-A-G.com to now Founder.com, which has been a big move for us because uh, we have eventuated into becoming much more than a magazine, much more than a podcast, and much more than a blog. So uh, yeah, I'm really excited about this new change. It was an interesting journey, uh, actually acquiring that domain, and uh, we actually acquired it from someone else that we interviewed on this podcast, which was an interesting story to say the least. But hope you're all having a fantastic day wherever you are around the world. As always, we interview some of the biggest rock stars, founders, people that are changing and shaping the world as we know it, and they're industry leaders, there's disruptors, and they're founders of amazing companies, and they're sharing out their stories with you. So who is today's guest? Today's guest is Neil Patel, and uh, he doesn't really need an introduction. He's an incredible marketer, very, very savvy guy, and uh, we we go back and back every now and then. He's super smart and always learning from him, and uh yeah, I invited him back on the show for a second time. Uh, funnily enough, it was actually, I featured him on, this is a good story. So featured Neil on issue number five of the magazine. So that would have been four years ago now. Jeez, we're getting old 
Uh, so I was 25 back then. So four years ago, featured Neil on the magazine. The magazine wasn't called Founder. And because of the cover with Neil on the front, uh, that's where we got done for trademark infringement by one of the biggest business magazines in the States. I can't tell you anything more, uh, but uh, yeah, that's why, yeah, I don't know if you know this, but in the early days we were sued for trademark infringement and I, you know, first four months and I re-jigged the magazine and changed the name to Founder and it was a blessing in disguise, but it actually started with Neil Patel. So, yeah, we featured Neil on the magazine, fifth issue number five, long, long time ago. And uh, he was in the, one of the early episodes of the podcast. I invited him back for a second time round because he's just such a smart marketer. We get really technical. We talk about acquisition. We talk about content marketing. We talk about how to really just grow your business using content and all of his other marketing strategies. I'm sure you're going to enjoy this one. It is quite technical. And uh, yeah, guys, if you are enjoying these episodes, please do take the time to leave us a review. It would help you us more than you can imagine. And I know you guys are entrepreneurs, founders, aspiring entrepreneurs or founders, and uh, I know you must have friends that are into this kind of stuff and you love to just really vibe and, uh, you know, it's your jam. So please do share this with a friend and uh, help us spread the word. We are on a mission to building a household name, entrepreneurial brand that impacts the lives of tens of millions of people on a weekly basis. Uh, currently, our content impacts millions of people. Uh, I believe tens of millions of people on a weekly basis really makes us oh, just one of a kind and just that ripple effect would be amazing. So th- please do share this with your friends. That's enough rambling from me. Now let's jump into the show. The first question I ask for everyone that comes on, and for you it's the second time around, Neil, is uh, how did you get your job? What do you mean how I got my job? Like how how did you end up doing the work you're doing today? Like like your job right now? Oh, I thought you meant like how I got a job. I'm like, I don't have a job. I'm an <laughs> entrepreneur. Technically, I do work for every one of my customers, right? So Yeah. Yeah, no, uh, the way I end up seeing it is I got started right now because I was looking for a job when I was 16 or 15 and a half. I couldn't find a job because they all required college degrees. I was too young. I was going online, browsing them. They all required college degrees, as I mentioned. And because I didn't have one, I decided to just copy that job board because it was monster.com. And back then they were making hundreds of millions of dollars. So I was like, yeah, if I make 1%, I'll do well. And as I created the job website, I paid people, went through a few rounds of developers before I found someone who was somewhat decent. It still wasn't that great, though. And then when the site came about, I was like, wait, where are all the people? I was naive, right? I didn't know that you had to market a website. Like, just thinking about it, at 15 and a half, I didn't realize that you pop up a business and people don't come. And I'm like, what the heck? So I had to learn how to market, and I got good at it. And from there, I just got addicted to marketing. Mm, yeah, so, man, you're quite prolific online. Uh, most people know who you are. How, how long have you been doing online marketing and stuff like that? I've been doing online marketing for 16 years at this point. Yeah, wow. Okay, so you are also quite known uh, for your two SaaS companies, Kissmetrics and Crazy Egg. Would you be able to share where you're at with both of those? One, one of them you exited, right? Uh, no. So uh, I we didn't sell it, depending what you mean by exiting. Yes. But I did end up leaving the company. Uh, whew, 
maybe three year plus years ago for Kiss Metrics. Crazy Egg, I'm still there. Yes. And with Kiss, I don't own a tenor percentage. We went through a messy lawsuit and FTC investigation. I blogged about that a long time ago. That derailed the company. It sent everyone who was interested in buying the company away, right? No one wanted to buy a company that was in a lawsuit because publicly traded companies don't want to deal with lawsuits or mm. at least take on that liability. From there, I saw through the lawsuit, dealt with it for over a year. And then after it was done, you know, I pretty much gracefully bowed out, I would say roughly six months after. Yeah, got you. And then um, is Hayton still working on Kissmetrics? Or do you still work on, on SAS products with Hayton? Uh, we work together, but Heathen and I both left Kissmetrics at the same time. Yeah, got you. So who runs it now? The investors and the CEO, whoever they put in place. Yeah, okay, wow. Oh, that's crazy. And um, what do you do now? Like, what, What's your biggest focus? My biggest focus is traffic acquisition, believe it or not. I look at it and I'm like, the more traffic I can acquire, someone on my team will figure out how to monetize it. And that's what I'm really good at. I suck at a lot of stuff, but the traffic acquisition stuff I'm great at. Mm. What about conversion? You strong at conversion? Yeah, I do a lot of conversion stuff too. Anything traffic and conversion related. Okay. Interesting. So you're working on a new SaaS product. Are we allowed to talk about that? Yeah. So tell us. Um, so you still work at Crazy Egg. What do you do at Crazy Egg before we jump in? I just drive the traffic and I do CRO tests. So I do like A-B tests on the homepage, the funnels, the flows, and then I work on driving more traffic. Yeah, gee. So so why don't you have a CRO guy do that and you just kind of do advisory out of curiosity or mentoring or, or kind of just oversee it? I do. So oh, we yeah. have a CRO guy named Michael who helps plan everything and then I just check up with him once a week. Yeah, gotcha. That makes sense. Okay. And then... So, so fairly not, not that involved with Crazy Egg? Decently involved. So I still use a product on a daily basis. I'm there driving traffic, but it's more so doing calls with the team, which I'm doing on a daily basis and making sure everyone you know, is doing what they need to do. If they have any questions, I'm there to answer them. If they need any help, I'm there to help them. But yeah, I'm still involved because the moment you don't get involved, that's when shit can go wrong. It's not that the team's bad. It's that as a founder, if you're passionate about your company, you can't just not be involved, right? It doesn't run the same way. Mm, so, so you're not the CEO though, right? Or right? No. No, my co-founder Heathen's a CEO. Yep, yeah, got you. And like, um, how, how does that like uh, work? As as like, um, I'm curious. Like, as the founder, so do you just dial in remotely? Where Where's the office? Virtual company. Oh, virtual. Okay, so you're hundred percent remote. Yeah, and we do divide and conquer. Yeah, Ethan deals with product and engineering. I deal with sales and marketing. Gotcha. And how big is that team? I don't know. That's a good question. A uh, ton of contractors, good amount of full-time employees, but it's in the dozens and dozens. We don't have like 100 or anything. That It's less than 50. It's way more than 10 or 20. I don't know the real number. Yeah, gotcha. So so you're involved into the pretty much the daily day operations of, of Crazy Egg and you're working on new SaaS product and you've got your personal brand because you do a lot for your personal brand, man. So let's talk about the new SaaS company first and then let's talk about your personal brand. So you're working on that product with, with Hayton as well? No. So I'm just building it for fun. Uh, it, it's not planned on being a business. It's called Subscribers. And the reason I ended up creating it is 
there's no easy way for bloggers to get return visitors back to their website. There's some push notification softwares, there's some chat bots, but no one just makes it really dead simple. And there's a few solutions out there that I was testing out, but they're going to cost me three to 5,000 a month with my traffic volume. So I'm like, screw this crap. I can just go build it for like 30 grand. Now I'm in it for $241,000, but eh, live and learn. <laughs> yeah, you like doing those tests, right? Uh, like like software is expensive to build. It is expensive. Not as expensive as it used to. I used to spend millions of dollars to build these companies. 241 grand isn't that bad. Mm. So how are you building it? Like uh, you have someone full-time in America or using um, offshore or? I'm using a company called Table XI. I think they're based out of Chicago. $180 per developer. Oh, okay, that's awesome. So not really. $180 an hour is a ripoff. Really? Oh, I reckon that's, that's not too bad for developers. Well, let's do the basic math. If someone works 40 hours a week and they work for four weeks at $180 an hour, that's $28,800 a month per developer. Mm, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's $345,000. You can get developers way more affordable. But yeah. I'm busy and they deal with everything for me. And they're they're doing a really amazing job. I like them. It, it, it is a ripoff, but they're fast and it's a great solution for where I'm at, right? So I would use them again. I'm actually really happy with the results. They're thorough too and they deal with all the bullshit and they meet deadlines. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. With full transparency, I, I don't everything that we do at Founder, it's all kind of off the shelf. We I've never ever worked with a developer, to be honest. So yeah, when you said Lucky Yeah. You. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When you said that, I was like, Oh, okay, well hundred you know, that, that hundred and eighty doesn't seem too bad. But then yeah, okay. All right, awesome. So you're working on subscribers.com. Um, great domain. If people want to find out more about that, where can they go to find out more? Or, you know, you don't even have a landing page yet. You got a landing page for it, right? No, I got nothing. They can okay. go to subscribers.com and see nothing. <laughs> okay, awesome. Well, well, talk to me about your personal brand and let's move to like some evergreen strategies because um, I'm sure people really want to know that. So, so right now you 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 have quite a heavy personal brand. You've got quicksprout.com, you've got neopatel.com, you drive a lot of traffic, a lot of awareness for your brand, and then you have, you know, quite quite a large following and audience. Um and, and you command uh, you know you command you have a lot of assets in many different places, whether it's own media, rented media, um, or paid media. So what what's the strategy behind having a large personal brand while running a SaaS company or multiple SaaS companies? Why would you do that and not focus and spend your time on growing those SaaS companies? You know what's crazy? So if I had to do it all over again, I wouldn't build a personal brand. Really? I, I, Why? It was a big mistake in my career. So I built a personal brand by accident. When I first started a consulting company back in the day, I didn't know how to get customers. I couldn't afford Google AdWords, so I started blogging. And that's how I got started. Then I started speaking at conferences. And it was all driving consulting revenue, right? Mm. And then over the years, it grew. Because you have to think about it. I've been building a personal brand, probably not for 16 years, but a good like 13 out of those 16 years, right? Which is a long time. Yeah, That's actually a shitload of time thinking about it, right? 13 years, such a long time. Yeah, 100%. So when I did it, it was for consulting revenue. 
And then I got into software because I hated consulting. It's like one of the shittiest businesses. Great cash flow, but shitty business. You still do it though. Yeah, because there's so many people with a lot of money and problems. So if they throw <laughs> enough money, I don't care. I'll do it. Yeah, gotcha. I'm a capitalist. So the personal brand, I thought, you know, I'm like, all right, might as well just keep building it up and I can use it to drive tons of customers to my software company. It doesn't really help that much. Like you look at Slack, what kind of personal brand does a founder have? Sure, he's a well-known, successful entrepreneur, but I bet you more people know me than him, right? Because I'm more out there. But yet his company's worth billions and billions of dollars. Mine isn't. The point I'm trying to make is you don't need a big personal brand to build a large company. Yeah, I agree. And do you think um, sometimes uh, it can not make your company, I guess, as easy to sell because there's the personal brand attached to it? Did you ever run into those troubles? If it drives you a lot of revenue, okay, if it drives you a lot of revenue, then by all means, build a personal brand. But what I found out is people want to pay me for consulting. My personal brand doesn't transfer as well to drive customers to SaaS products within my niche. Mm, gotcha. Because, yeah, it was interesting um, how Casey Neistat's, um had Beam acquired. And that that was pretty heavily heavily tied to his personal brand. I'm, I'm surprised around that acquisition. Are you, did you know about that one? No, I didn't. Yeah, it was. By, I think it was acquired by CNN. But I always find it interesting: personal brand versus company brand. You know, uh, you know, is the asset too tied to you as to the founder? You know, I, I see Elon Musk. I see Richard Branson. You know, they're, they're great leaders, and they and you know, they've, they've built amazing assets and done some amazing things in the world. Um, and that's never really affected anything. But yeah, I think, you know, you have to be careful, right? Yeah, you have to end up being careful. But, you know, it's like, uh, I don't know. Like, it, it's up to, like, some people have done amazingly well with it. Like, look at Gary Vaynerchuk, right? Mm. So, and he's built a good business off his personal brand. The mm. problem I ended up running into is my personal brand doesn't tie in 100%. It's in the same field as my company, but it doesn't tie in 100%. And yes, you make a good point where it does make it harder to sell depending on the business type. If it's consulting, it does. If it's SaaS and it's all you know, driven by your personal brand, which is very rare, then it would make it. But in most cases, SaaS is not driven by personal brands. And that's the field I'm in. And that's why I say like, if I just spent my time building a big sales team, I would have been better off than building a personal brand. Mm, yeah, that makes sense. So Let's switch gears and talk about, I guess, content marketing or evergreen strategies that if someone was listening to this right now, they could listen to it for, you know, four years from now and this stra these strategies would, would pay uh, their way in, 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 I guess, lifetime value because that's, that's something that I think um, is really, really uh, powerful is, is creating content that's extremely evergreen. So I want to hear from you, like, what are some what are some solid marketing strategies that you believe will still be relevant for, you know, five to ten years from now, maybe around content marketing that people can start using that you've seen you you know that is these these strategies or, or one or two or three or whatever have paid their weight in gold for you over the long term and and you continue to see you 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 anticipate to continue to see uh, return. Sure. So let's go over some simple ones because it's sometimes it's the simplest stuff that no one's doing. 
all right, would you agree that Twitter's still going to be around? Forget, you know, if it's going to be owned by Twitter or if it's going to be a publicly traded company. But would you agree that at least Twitter's still going to be around because people use it, even if it's not publicly traded or if it sells or whatever? 100%. Although it could turn into a MySpace. You don't know. <laughs> well, although their uh, stock has been tanking, their popularity hasn't really tanked, right? Mm. So people still use it. Their growth has slowed down, but its usage is high for news. Yeah. So why not go find all the articles that rank for keywords that you want to rank for? Because you just take your blog post that you have written, go Google similar titles and keywords to that blog post. You'll find all the other ones that rank on Google. Go take those URLs and put them into Twitter's search box, and it'll show you all the people that tweeted them out. Hit them up one by one and just be like, hey, Bob, I noticed you tweeted out X, Y, and Z article by author A, B, and C. I have a similar one and, you know, called whatever, one, two, three, and mine covers this, that, and the other that the original didn't. Feel free to check it out. If you like it, feel free and share it. Cheers, Neil. It's that simple. Sending that email, if you send it to enough people who tweeted out other competing articles, you'll get a shitload of social shares. It's a low ass. It's easy to do. Yeah, wow. And you believe that that in the long run would be a strong strategy? Yeah, I have a full-time person who just does that for me. Wow. And why? It drives good traffic. Let me look at my Twitter traffic. I'm pulling up my Google Analytics right now. It is a bit more than 31,000 visitors over the last 30 days. Yeah, nice. And does it convert? Yeah, it's getting good traffic. Okay. So awesome. it, it's just driving email signups, it's driving customers. When we talk to people and we're like, hey, how'd you find us? A lot of people are saying like, oh, we found you on Twitter. I'm like, all right, that sounds good. Hmm, interesting. So what else do you think people should be thinking about like five years from now or, or starting now but, but will pay returns still five years from now? Yeah, so the other thing that I would do if I were people is write more thorough content. And this is really simple. Content has always been king, right? Bill Gates coined that back in the day. And if you just go out there, you go to your Google search console, it'll show you all the pages that are driving you traffic. So if you take those pages and it'll show you using the little drop down, like down arrow, it'll show you all the keywords that you're getting from that page. Now, now that you have all the keywords, Go take those keywords and make sure they're in your article. Don't just shove them in there, but incorporate those themes and those keywords. So you may have to increase your length of your article by double or triple to incorporate it all. But we've been doing that to all our most popular articles. And our search traffic is up over 20% just from that one tactic, which is a lot because we get hundreds and thousands of visitors from search. Yeah, wow. And when it comes to – that's a good one. So – when it comes to content, um, like is it? It's still quality over quantity, right? Yeah, it's still. Uh, well, it, it, it's. I, I don't know which one you said, but it technically is quantity over quality, and the people who do quantity with decent amount of quality, so have mediocre quality but large quantity, they tend to win. Mm. And what would you consider quality like? just speaking about like what were what would be a quality article detailed guide thorough post beautiful design images super thorough where someone reads this like i know what to do 
and I don't need to go to any other article out there. Yeah. And how many words, roughly? can range from a few thousand to 10,000. Yeah, okay, interesting. And one thing I noticed you do on your sites is um, you have these like in-depth guides that are broken down into separate pages and they have chapters. It's pretty much like turning an ebook but making the ebook online. Why do you do that? So that way people don't have to download them? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I know you do it. You must do it. You, you it, don't it drive traffic. The pages, the, I would put them on one page, but the problem with doing that is it's like I don't want to put 30,000 words on one page, so I just break it up into like five or ten. Yeah, like it's almost like a workbook. I've noticed quite a few companies do that. So like is there merit for these workbooks? Like like you choose a topic. Like I noticed that you you went quite high for online marketing, right? Yeah. Yeah, and um, you know, one of – like one of those pieces of the puzzle to get there is 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 that is that workbook right? That's correct. Yeah. So, do you believe people should be doing stuff like that? Or yeah, it's so worth it. But you have to keep in mind that workbooks thorough. What people forget is thorough content tends to do the best. Wikipedia ranks so well not because it's user generated, not because they have a lot of backlinks. Like all those factors help. But it's because users continually add and update the content so it's super thorough. So mm. it's very relevant and up-to-date. That's why they do so well. And people who write thorough content and detailed content will tend to do the best and rank the highest in the long run. Yeah. Um, so do you get a lot of you, – you, you must get like a lot of earned links to that, work, that particular workbook because I know you have like 10 or 15 of them. Um, you get a lot of earned links, right? I think so. I stopped tracking it years ago. I'm pretty sure I get a ton still because it wouldn't rank high up if I did it. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so so yeah, if you go to Neil's site, you know, um, at quicksparout.com uh, on his blog, you'll see on the right-hand side there are some, some workbooks, which I think is really, really smart. We want to do that for like key terms that relate to founder um, or key, key things that people come to us for, you know, like um, – all, all sorts of things around you know, startups, marketing, hiring, you name it. So what else What else do you think besides writing great content you think would, would pay a really, really long-term benefit and return five, ten years from now if you were trying to grow your startup and, you know, producing, you know, some some sort of asset? Sure, building a brand. And what I mean by that is whether responding to comments, creating webinars, uh, interacting on the social web, you pick it, right? But like building a brand, it could be personal or corporate. A corporate example of that could be like if people are tweeting about your competitor and how they hate their product, instead of just saying like, hey, buy our product, trying to help them solve their problem, whether it's with the competing product or your product or any product, because it builds loyalty. Mm. And what we found is Google tends to rank brands higher than non-brands because they know people can build links, optimize their sites, but what's hard to fake is branding. And the way they're tracking this is how many people are searching for a brand and clicking on your site, right? And you can see that by just putting in your brand into Google Trends and you can see if it's going up or down. It's a great way for Google to know, be like, oh, users really love this brand. Because if you're searching for a car, how do they know which car company to rank higher? They all have good SEO. They all have millions of backlinks. So which one should rank the best? Well, if one has a brand that's 20 times stronger, the chances are more people are into that car brand than the other. 
So it should rank first. Yeah, no, that's great. Oh, I like that one. So what are your key principles or, or starting points? Like if you want to build a, a brand that people care about or take notice? Uh, my starting point is just first put your people, your users within your industry and then just help them out. So I like doing blogging because it's a great way to help people out over time. I like responding to comments. It makes them feel that they're getting to know you and your company. I like going on the social web and helping people out within your space, build more loyalty, right? Doing videos. I think that's amazing. Uh, if you have a company, put multiple people in the videos, right? Rotate it up. Uh, you can do podcasting. The possibilities are endless. You have to more so figure out what really jives with you, your company, your guys' culture, your brand, and then start with those elements first because what's easiest for you is probably going to work the best. For example, Gary Vaynerchuk is amazing on video. He hasn't mm. really done much content marketing from a text-based standpoint. And you know what? I probably can kick his butt at that just because I've been doing it for so long and I'm really good at that. Gary can kick my butt with video. He's better on video. He focuses on video, and you know what? He kicks butt on it, and I don't know too many people who are better than him. I'm amazing at content marketing. I'd probably beat out most people with it, right? Focus on what you're good at because that's where you're going to see the success. Mm, yeah, that's interesting because um, when I spoke to Gary, he said like – because I was like, yeah, we're quite strong on social. Do we need to conquer all the channels? You know, like you know, not, not when, when I say channels, I'm talking – Twitter, Pinterest, YouTube, Facebook. And he's like, yeah, Nathan, he's like, you've got to conquer them all. What's your thoughts on that? Like, because you're saying double down what social. you're good at. Yes, but social, I look at that as one channel, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, etc. I look at content marketing as a different channel. I look at SEO as another channel, Google, anything. So VaynerMedia is a social media or marketing agency. They don't rank for any of those terms. I don't see them doing Google AdWords. I don't see them doing Facebook ads for their core business. You don't mm. have to do every marketing channel out there, but Gary's a big believer in social, which is an amazing channel. So he tackles all of the social channels out there. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Okay. Awesome. Well, look, um, we'll work towards wrapping up, man. Um, can you give us one more? One more evergreen strategy that would pay benefits five to ten years from now one simple strategy that you can end up using because the web is getting all to mobile and everyone knows that is and this is super simple make your site amp compatible that's amp it's a framework that google ended up releasing eventually i bet because so many big companies are taking this it just makes a mobile experience that much better and faster Google will end up ranking AM sites uh, higher up in the SERPs in the long run, especially after they start creating, you know, the mobile first index. Ah, okay, gotcha. Awesome. I'm going to get on that one. All right. So where's the best place people can find out more about you and your work? NeilPatel.com. Awesome. Well, look, uh, thank you so much for your time, Neil. And um, yeah, always a pleasure speaking with you, man. Oh, thanks for having me. Hey guys, I hope you enjoyed this interview. As you might already know, our mission at Founder is to help tens of millions of people every single week with our content, either start or grow their business, which is exactly why we're partnering with world-class founders such as Damon John, Alexa Von Tobel, Greta Van Riel, and so many more to teach crucial skills such as negotiation, finance, e-commerce, and so much more. 
So if you'd like to get access to these free exclusive trainings, please go to founder.com forward slash free. These are 100%. We go super in depth on teaching a particular topic, and I know that you're going to love them if you enjoy this podcast. So just go to founder.com forward slash free. All right, guys, I'll see you in the next episode.